Welcome to We Shadows, the podcast about design and technical theater in the Twin Cities. I'm your announcer, Anita Kelling. In this episode, Rachel Lanto sat down with sound designer and stage manager Izzy Pat. While chatting about career experiences, Izzy and Rachel also tackle work-life balance, barriers to participation, mental health, and the need to change business as usual in a post-COVID-19 theater world. This conversation took place on January 12, 2021. when I met you, we were working on, um, was it Hatchet Lady with Walking Shadow Theater Company? Yeah. And at the time, uh-huh. you were um, doing the audio mix for our band and everybody and kind of the some of the sound design elements. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just yeah. wanted to, um, why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, like, what do you do in this crazy theater world? Who are you? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So um, my name is Izzy Pat. Um, I grew up in the northwestern suburbs of Chicago. Um, and I moved to Minnesota for uh, college at the University of Minnesota. Um, I'm primarily a freelance stage manager and sound designer. Um, and yeah, I worked in the Twin Cities for about three full years, um, including some time in, while I was in school um yeah all right um so do you would you say that you work more as a stage manager or an audio human yeah I kind of it's kind of evenly split actually it's interesting because um stage management projects have such a large time commitment that it's harder to like pick up gigs quickly um so I often like plan farther in advance for those um but I can do sound design jobs almost at the same time because it's primarily you know I'm working from home and I just have to show up for production meetings and tech rehearsals um and then you know I'll work often as a board op or um doing sound load-ins um picking up small gigs or assistant gigs here and there which um so I'm able to kind of do more of those in a shorter amount of time just because they're less um less of a time commitment um but i think generally it's a pretty even split which um is kind of how i prefer it um yeah you love both that's cool i do um, <laughs> how did you get into this and and why did you choose this well so i was super lucky to have um a really lovely arts department at my high school and um I really got involved first with um crew love it um <laughs> doing sets and stuff like that and then um I just wanted to be an actor so I mostly acted in high school and then there was one year I didn't make the musical super sad about it um but my teacher asked me to be the stage manager and at first I was like heck no I want to be on stage um but then it ended up being an incredible challenge and I really liked it and then promptly only acted until graduation um <laughs> then I went to college thinking that yeah I was like okay I'm gonna be an actor but I like hate auditioning big part of acting um 
And I worked at it for two years, and then I took a stage management class and a sound design class, and was like, yep, this feels way more right. Um, and I kind of just fell in love with it, and both work different parts of my brain and speak to different parts of my personality. Um, and yeah, that was kind of it. And I was like, yeah, this feels right, and I think this is what I want to do. So yeah, kind of like came upon unexpectedly and you're from the Chicago area so you recently told me that you just moved back there yeah I did uh it's been a plan for a bit um I had not expected to do it in a pandemic um but (laughs) but yeah I just wanted to be a little bit closer to my family um and my grandparents and stuff like that um and I, I love the Twin Cities and I really want to go back at some point um but I uh yeah I just I was looking for just like another adventure yeah absolutely and I mean mm-hmm. there's a great theater scene in Chicago obviously yeah so. for have sure. you uh when you were first planning on moving back did you have like something you were like somewhere you were looking at um starting to work or were you just kind of like let's just go there and figure it out yeah I was I have been planning on you know kind of cold emailing um, my resume out to folks. I um, worked with someone briefly um, at Writer's Theater, which is in Glenville, Illinois, which is like a suburb, but um, it's a bigger regional theater out there. So kind of staying in contact with him. And and then, um, yeah, I had just planned on kind of being like, here's, I'm new to town, would love to chat. Here's my resume hire me please I also applied for um a Steppenwolf um apprenticeship um did not get it it's okay we'll try again next year um but uh that was also kind of like thinking about apprenticeships but only ones that were paying because no more unpaid internships over here um yeah really so (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it was like a little bit of both. I was like planning, but also just kind of maybe wing it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, you came here to go to school at the U of M then. That was kind of your, your reason for moving to the Twin Cities. Um, yeah. What was it that mm-hmm. drew you to that program? Um, I really liked the people. Um. And I really like the feel of the school in general. I was like really wanting to go to school in a city. Um, and it kind of had a city and campus vibe, which was, I think, what I ultimately wanted to look for. And it was relatively, at that time, it's not that long ago, but like already the tuition has like increased by like $20,000. Um, at the time, yeah, it was, or something, you know, it keeps, it keeps going up. But um, at the time, they were, I think recruiting lots of students from out of state. Um, and so there was some incentive to go financially. Um, and, um, you know, honestly, I didn't really know much about the theater community other than like the statistic of what do they say? It's like the most theater seats per capita. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, in the US, something like that. Um, I was yeah. like, cool. But um, yeah, I. I um yeah I kind of just went for it and um really wanted to like 
move away from my family a little bit <laughs> and spread my wings. And I know now I'm back. Um, spread my wings and and kind of just um see what adventures uh, were out there. But um, yeah, I ended up really enjoying the experimental nature of the BA program. Yeah, really opened my eyes. I never done device theater before. I did a lot of it um, in undergrad, um, and that really I think shaped the way that I like to create um, and and want to continue creating um, in my career. So that was really special and unexpected. Yeah, definitely. What did you envision your, uh, like for me, for example, I, my college program, I feel like tried to train me for like, you're going to go work at a regional theater and that's how it's going to go. And this is how it's going to work. And then coming to the Twin Cities proper, uh, I was like, this is not what it, like, I mean, there's regional theaters here, obviously, but like, that's not where I started working. So I was like, what is this? How do I do this? Um, did you like have expectations for your career that you were like leaning into or like somewhere like some like a style of theater before you discovered you were into device theater that you envisioned? Um, you know, I, I probably was like, yeah, I want to do fun, cool scripted work and like with <laughs> big budgets and lots of fun things. Um. And, like, partly that's kind of true still because it is, like, sound design-wise, you have a lot of, like, fun toys to play with um, when you have a bigger budget. Um, but, and in stage management, like, the bigger, I don't know, it's a big challenge for sure. But, um, you know, I don't really know if I had an expectation for it because I think I was just, like, trying to figure it out and I was doing a lot of like new work with new with friends um first and like now trying to network with other bigger companies just kind of feel like what feel out what that was like um and I ended up really enjoying working with students a lot um and also just kind of like creating weird stuff with um <laughs> with my friends and then uh, that's kind of how I fell in love with creating new work specifically um was just like messing around with friends and throwing I swear throwing shit at the wall and seeing if it sticks and then if it was like it felt right then to like think about like how the you can grow the idea um so to answer your question um <laughs> I don't really think I had an expectation I just was like trying to see if I could in fact do the thing and and um get work and have experiences and meet people who wanted to create interesting things. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, do you feel like uh, you were able to um, build a network and gain some of the work that you wanted here? Or was it, uh, it seems like your Twin Cities experience has mostly been out of uh, going to school and just kind of starting off and learning. Yeah, but I know was, you worked around town. Yeah, it was a lot of learning, but um, yeah, actually, through like my own networking and then also a little bit of like showcase extravaganzas, um, I yeah, I made uh, I worked quite a bit and found some mentors at CTC 
um, before lots of drama happened. And then, um, uh, and I really enjoyed my time there and I learned a lot from working at like a big, a bigger institution and also working at an institution mm -hmm. um, itself. Um, and, and yeah, and part of it was like, you know, we had like senior showcases and so community, folks in the community would come who in, in, in the industry would come and like grab our resumes and just chat and we would be able to um, kind of converse about the work. And that actually was really good. I, I felt like I um, was challenged to kind of have a good sense of how to talk about the kind of work that I had done in school and then also the kind of work that I wanted to do. I was also at the U is really lucky that a lot of my teachers were already working, they're working artists. Um, so they were able to kind of generous, very generously, if someone was looking for a sound designer, Montana Johnson, the sound design professor would just like, here are all the names of my cool students. And I actually owe a lot to her for getting me a lot of, a lot of jobs around town through her just supporting encouragement. Um, and yeah, and then, yeah, so people, you know, picked up my resume and ended up contacting me, like David Pisa and Kathy Campbell. And um, and then also um, just like through my friends, you know, just word of mouth meeting people and then having people say, this person says you would be a good fit for this production. Let's meet and chat and see how we want to go about this. So yeah. a lot of that, um, which was a very, really interesting way to like learn how to get jobs because now in pandemic world, like I feel like the trying to get jobs is the total opposite of that kind of word of mouth, like super friendly um, vibe. Um, and that's actually been really interesting to think about how, yeah. um, how different the theater industry is and it makes me think of, about like gatekeeping and and all things like that that can be involved in like word of mouth um yeah absolutely uh yeah. hiring processes <laughs> yeah how do you feel like you have spent your time uh have you been working at all during the pandemic um <laughs> i i have not um I was in the middle of uh, the run of Spamtown at CPC um, as a assistant stage manager when everything shut down. And I was about to work on Red Mayor with Walking Shadow, which is very exciting. Um, and then it didn't happen, really sad. So yeah, it was a, honestly a big wake up call. Um, now that I, like we're kind of like almost a year out, crazy. Um, I have some friends that are trying to like do Zoom things or just kind of are writing things and are just brainstorming for fun. Or my friends Kieran and I really love composing music for Shakespeare, which is really nerdy. Um, but we've decided to give ourselves like uh, a little project. We picked a play and we're gonna like, you know, just to give ourselves something creative to do yeah. um, that brings us joy. Um, but it's really given me a lot of time to think about like, 
feels intrinsically connected to our identities Mm -hmm. and like the grief of losing an entire industry or like your work not knowing when it's going to come back um it sent me in a, a a long road of thinking about like artist identity and um and the kind of the work that we're doing and have been doing in this in the industry and and in what ways we're doing it and how a lot of the things that we that were normal quote unquote like schedules and work-life balances or not um 12-hour days like how those are really not conducive to art making not conducive to so many things but it was it's just the way um and what does it mean to not have that and what does it mean to to rethink structures and rethink industries that are yeah built on white supremacy and and are intent on gatekeeping and and are often available to only certain communities um so long answer short answer is no i haven't been working (laughs) i've been um on art and theater i really i was feeling really really sad about it for a long time yeah especially in the first like four to five months um and i just i felt so uncreative i really couldn't really couldn't do anything um i think that i wasn't alone in that um and um but i've been working uh side gigs um i was working as a server for a bit when the weather was nice and now i'm working at a donut shop and it's really pleasant so (laughs) and it's you know just trying to stay safe as as safe as possible and yeah the bills (laughs) i feel that yeah exactly (laughs) um it's interesting that you bring up like gatekeeping and the hiring process and and you know time commitments and all those sorts of things that are enabling of white supremacy i feel like uh you know folks who are in sort of these younger um or earlier parts of our career like we sort of have the opportunity in such a way of like we've experienced those things but at the same time we haven't they're not like inundated in our souls yet <laughs> like it's not like no this is the way so we right. have sort of this opportunity to kind of consider what would it be like without that um and you know right. we're not we're not often the, the people who are making those decisions but at the same time we have the opportunity to be like where do I want to work and what kinds of things do I need out of a workplace? Like, mm-hmm. at least for me, I've, I've had the opportunity to really consider like uh, what boundaries do I need to set for working? I guess, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I have more power than I think I do, you know? Yeah. I totally agree with that. I mean, I remember we were talking about, it was like tech week for spam town was like wild. Hmm. Um, and it, and it's just like the 10 hour days, the 12 hour days, and then as a stage manager, you know, you're there for maybe like 14 hours, like way longer than everybody else. Um, and when you are going from like a rehearsal room to a tech rehearsal where the rehearsal room is playtime almost, and it's fun and it's exciting and dynamic and 
open to a like work only power through mentality for like two weeks straight where like no one's getting the sleep that they need no one's eating regular meals there's treats everywhere so everyone is sugar like there's sugar everywhere you know like it's and blood pressure is high you're in a time crunch like how is that conducive to any and then you know everyone's so stressed and so people have attitudes and everyone's tired and cranky like of course and so like how are you supposed to make especially if you have your production meeting at the end of a 12-hour day when everyone is so tired out of their minds no one's going to make a decision everyone's sitting there for another 45 minutes like that is like just a baseline unhealthy and then like how are you supposed to like power through to opening night through opening weekend on running on fumes so i just feel like there's no there's le- there's not enough space for the like the freedom to like make creative choices and change things without it being like the end of the world you know because it's just like every little thing is is so feels so big in those moments when in rehearsal rooms it, it didn't feel that way um so like that's so con- that's such a like confusing shift to me and I, and I like really never considered it until fairly recently because it's just like oh yeah this is just how it goes and you just gotta power through until it's over that's not yeah. fun you know that's like not it's not a, it's, there's no work-life balance um and even when you're working like six hour six day weeks right um in rehearsal and often people have second jobs too like so how do you be how do you have like a compassionate especially like theater it's like ask people to be so vulnerable all the time i feel like as stage managers that manifests in different ways um because i feel like we're often like a facilitator of that um but i wonder like how can you create like a compassionate um work environment where people can be vulnerable because it's not like working an awesome job it's you know where you can go in and leave there's a lot of stuff that happens and people are bringing their bodies and everything they're carrying in their bodies to the work um and that i don't know those are my musings (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely yeah that's i think those are questions that all of us are asking at this point um do you one thing that we have talked about with this podcast in particular is that we're more interested in talking with people who are not white straight males um and we want to you know kind of open up our community a little bit to just like hear the stories of people who aren't like you know haven't been here for forever or you know um that have cool stories and nobody's necessarily heard them before but um do you i I guess leading into my question, do you feel that you've had instances in the theater thus far in your career where you have struggled, like, feeling uh, marginalized in some way, Um, whether as, you know, gender or sexual identity or um, anything Mm -hmm. else? Yeah, I think a lot of that is mostly in the sound realm Hmm. um, for the most part because it is a very cis male driven um facet of the industry um and a lot of the times I feel like um 
I'll show up for, I, I, feel, I feel fairly confident in my like, design abilities, but I, technical abilities, I'm like, uh, they scare me a little bit, and I feel like, I, I don't like feeling stupid, and, and okay. so, you know, like, there's moments where there's, like, definitely judgment for asking questions, I just am, am a person anyway who asks a lot of questions because I'm curious and I want to know the answer um, and uh, learn. But there's like moments where you're like, if I ask this question in this environment, people will feel like I, maybe this is me projecting, but it's like, it feels like, hold for sound. Uh, it feels like I will be less respectable in this environment if I ask a question that seems stupid and simple or like ask for rehearsal time to mix the show or ask for help programming a board because I've never seen it before which are all things that like are seem to me pretty reasonable um but to in my mind and the body that I live in um make me feel like I'm not qualified to be in that space. Mm. Um, when I honestly believe that everyone else is pretending just as much, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just people believe folks who appear cis male, cis, like to be cis men, there's just more like, oh yeah, I'll take your word for it. As opposed to Prove it to me that you know this, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's it's a little bit like I end up in the in, in the designer role, not necessarily in a technician role, but in a designer role, I kind of try to like take on that energy a little bit of like listen, here are my choices, how like trying to I don't know feel like in a, a more masculine energy. So people feel like they can trust my decisions if I'm getting vibes that they're not trusting my decisions, you know, and obviously there's lovely trusted collaborators who are willing to meet me in my identity and, and have a trustful, trustful relation design relationship. Um, and obviously in those situations, I'm not that worried about the questions that I'm asking. But um, definitely there's, you can tell when people are like, mm, are you sure about that? You know, and you're like, yes, I am sure. Um, and then I've also kind of a little bit come to the conclusion of like, because sometimes you need help and sometimes I don't, you don't know everything all the time and that's okay. And like seeking help from trusted collaborators is not a sign of weakness. In fact, it's just, a sign, it's a sign of strength and, and um, a, uh, a use of resources and uh, trust in your, in your collaborator. So knowing when to like employ that instead of trying to be like, pretend that I know everything um, right. when I really don't, I actually do need help. <laughs> yeah. Um, but feeling like you have to explain yourself more often. Uh, as right. opposed to like just like I am yeah, I know what I'm talking about I'm confident 
Yeah, and often in those spaces, I am the only not cis man. Um, and sometimes there's like some badass ladies or or folks who are not cis men, and you're like, okay, I can like relax a little bit. Um, because I know that there's someone who like understands. Um, yeah, but I mean, especially in Minnesota, also it's like overwhelmingly white as well. Um, and that's interesting to think about, uh, you know, why, um, Minnesota is also a very white place, but like still, um, still, yeah. Yeah. Do you, I, I know I've talked with other stage managers about feeling like because at least in a regional setting it feels like the the industry is much more often uh has um female identifying folks uh in those positions it feels like oh I can kind of relax because I know somebody's got my back and somebody understands where I'm coming from mm-hmm. um and I can see like in other departments that's maybe not necessarily the case all the time Mm -hmm. yeah and that's where I think it's important to find people who like really at least attempt to see you you know um so you know that you can like come to them for help or just have a more fruitful collaborative relationship um but I even think that like there's even in stage management realm where there's still like a lot of excusing of behavior like well tolerating of behavior on the behalf of of folks in higher like stage management positions and regional theaters and stuff of like badly behaved men and like like what does it mean to to be a woman or not cis man in those situations and still uphold the status quo for whatever reason it it also could be not intentional but mm-hmm. i have noticed that happening as well and, and like sometimes and there's like, a space yeah. to talk about it and sometimes there's not and the power structures are just as they are um and and yeah that also like feels confusing too and then yeah and then how i've also noticed um how like so many theater spaces are also just not necessarily accessible to trans folks or folks of color and you know i i don't know it's it gets complicated and and when there's like structures in place that don't allow for conversation to be had um, where you like as a stage manager are viewing or witnessing harm um, happening and there you know no one's willing to talk about it or you know what do you do then yeah yeah it's hard to feel like especially sometimes I feel like when the stage manager doesn't necessarily influence hiring processes for example or um, you know they can they can mm-hmm. create a safe space with who they have but like what happens before that it's like what do I what do you do with that um and a lot of that it seems like it's right some of that power sort of comes from 
you know, we have friends, like we can talk to, you know, we can talk about it with other people, but it's so, it's layered and it's complex and there's so much going on. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, and I think it's like easy to say like institutions are perpetrators of that kind of, um, dismissal behavior or whatever but because like there's hierarchical power structures in place and like a way that people do things and like sometimes it's really great and sometimes it's really not but I also have witnessed it happening at much smaller levels of like smaller companies like Mm. just hiring horrible you know people who have reputations of of not behaving well or being respectful in rehearsal but for whatever reason is hired anyway and then also like right and then not thinking about director stage manager relationship and feeling like people like putting a team together right because you're talking about like there's we have no power necessarily in this hiring relationship unless you are part of like the company doing the hiring you know like as a freelancer I often think that sometimes like companies don't always consider what kind of team they want to be leading this process. And if you put a director with someone who like their personalities are so, I mean, obviously, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like just not considering the um, effects or like it's like impact versus intention the impact of on on the production as a whole and the people within it on um, you know folks who don't behave in rehearsal or like are not professional or rude or disrespectful or racist in power you know positions of power and then also often having maybe a cis woman or someone who is not a cis man having to deal with all of that emotional labor on top of trying to facilitate a process. Whoa, that's a lot. Like, I'm not a therapist. I'm not qualified to deal with fragility and also lead a process. Yeah. In which I'm also trying to, like, dismantle my own, like, preconceived notions of whatever is going on you know like well that's a lot um yeah which is like another layer of like emotional labor and also stage managers often are women and what does that mean or like you know there's a lot of women who are stage managers but we're not the system yeah so i don't know (laughs) i do feel like um I love what you say about like the um, the companies sort of not considering what the impact is of these people that they're hiring. They're just like, I don't know, just like whoever we can get to work with this person or whoever will say yes without considering like mm-hmm. what what are you potentially perpetuating or what harm is that doing um, to the people who are in the right. room when you haven't been thoughtful or intentional about this. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, and then the people who are forced like to deal with it. 
Yeah, for sure. I guess my thought is like, is that also, is that like the, the um, lack of consideration for like the kind of team you're putting together, is that also like taking advantage of like the freelancer position where you're like, you know that we want jobs, <laughs> you know, so it's right. It's like whoever is available um, and will work with this person. That seems like a pretty low bar, like who's willing to deal with all that, you know? And oftentimes, like, I don't know, stage managers probably aren't aware of, you know, the right, you know, some people like you've never worked with before, you're not going to know how they work. You And if people do have an idea, if they're like a racist butthole, and still hire them and then don't tell you that that's what you're going into because they don't want you to leave the project, you know, like, what? Oh. <laughs> that's, so that's like a brain explosion to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, can I ask, did you leave the cities before or after Mr. George Floyd was murdered? Uh... Technically after, though, I was, I went home for a little, like, for a little bit from, like, April to May, just because I was dealing with some mental health stuff. So I was staying with my parents at the time, Mm -hmm. um, and then I went back um, shortly after everything went down, um, just because it felt really rough to be away from. Yeah. I know, just like, particularly the, you know, the Twin Cities theater community uh, was just so rocked by, uh, I mean, we've all been rocked a lot this year, for sure. (laughs) But anyway, I was just curious if you had had um, any thoughts about, um, I mean, obviously, like, everything we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes has been sort Mm -hmm. of, like, influenced by that, but. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah, I yeah. It was freaking crazy. Yeah. And it was really honestly, it's like one of those things where you're like kinda like survivor's guilt. You're like, I can't believe I was not in the city to be there. Um Hmm. but uh yeah, but like it was wild to like watch everything happen from a live stream in my bedroom. Yeah in my parents' house and, like, feel Ooh. super far away from everything and then walk outside in the suburbs and it's, like, nothing ever happened. Like, it made me sick. Yeah. Um, I was, like, as soon as possible, I have to go back. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know all of us are working and hoping that whenever we come back from this pause that something will have changed because there's just no way we can can you can keep going like as normal there's just no way there's no way no no absolutely not and and it and as it should be yeah absolutely yeah mm-hmm. um i guess i would love to just like ask you also what it kind of drawing it back to just you personally um mm-hmm what what is there about your experience personally um that might be different from others um who have 
you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, gender, sex, and racial identities, um, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But um, what is tell us more about Izzy's experience that you might wh- that you might want to share with us. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm necessarily feeling like unique in any way, but it has been really interesting to like balance two different disciplines that like don't always go together. Yeah. I had like definitely had people be like, What do you mean you spend the same experience? Like, you know, like sound and lighting maybe go together. Or like sound and media maybe go together. Um but like kind of like feeling I guess that kind of feels unique. Um, and I guess I think about like um but people are like, so which one do you like better? And the answer is like they're both great because stage management really plays to like the type A part of my personality um, where I'm able to like get down and organize and, and also like, I feel like my little cancer sensibilities as well. Like feeling like I want to facilitate an artistic experience not only for myself, but also for a project in general and trying to like exercise those skills um, and really like find the best way to cultivate that. And it's trial and error, you know, like nobody writes books on those things. I mean, there's like leader, you can talk about leadership, you can talk about servant leadership, you can talk about like facilitation, I guess, but in the context of theater making and stage management, I feel like there's not a lot of literature out there to read about that and either, and you just kind of learn by doing and by observing. Um, And that is really interesting to me. And also I really am passionate about like dismantling hierarchical structures in art making because that's where like devise work comes in, I think, where, I mean, I think devise work can you can't have like a director and you can't have a writer but to me that's like not that fun so it's much more like delicious in my opinion of an experience to to kind of have everybody have an equal footing and like I think you can like, separate roles for sure because like one person can't do everything and everybody can't do nothing so like being able to kind of have a horizontal structure, but like where everyone can present ideas and be heard. And that's, I appreciate that a lot as a stage manager. Cause I think in like regional theater or like a lot of scripted work, stage managers are expected kind of to kind of be silent observers. And I don't really like being a silent observer. <laughs> um, I have a lot of opinions. Um, and um yeah and then also like kind of like helps you become an active listener and uh, working with sandbox they have this really lovely saying of like hold on tightly let go lightly where you like you hold on to that idea you fight for it and when it's cut you're like great i get it don't worry about it you know like let's move on let's like you know reshape rethink 
Um, and to me, that's very exciting. And then, like, sound design operates, like, a whole different creative side of my brain. It's, like, also kind of nice coming, like, from stage management, where everything is your problem. You know, like, you have to, you have your eye on, like, 10,000 different things at once. Um, and sound design, you're like, oh, we have to focus on one thing. And that is, like, feels easy at this point, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, pressure is off not really but like you know you just have to really you can really zero in and focus on a like a, a vision and like dig deep into like experimentation of like new things and posing questions and ideas and sticking for you know holding on to those artistic choices and then collaborating to let go of them and then like find something that was really working like I really like digging into those like really centered um collaborative experiences um but they just like manifest in different ways in both disciplines um yeah that's just a lot of talking um anything else <laughs> I oh, oh I, I mean I loved working in the Twin Cities I felt very held by the community very supported by peers and mentors. Um, and that was super special and an incredible way to like learn skills and gain confidence. Um, um, yeah, felt like I had people in my corner, um, which I understand is a huge privilege. So yeah. Yeah. Do you have goals for the future of whatever work you're doing yeah I do I really want to work on like really challenging work I also really like I like I really do like doing bigger productions just because my brain just really loves the challenge of all the moving parts but um and I also really like them, like technically ch- working on technically challenging shows, because um, they're just exciting. But I also, you know, I want to be able to balance the big fun stuff with, um, and hopefully like ethical leadership ways, um, uh, with like making weird shit with my friends, um, and feeling like that is just equal as equally fulfilling. Um, and then also like, honestly, I would love to go on a tour. I want to tour once. I want to do theater abroad. There's some weird shit going on. That's not in the U S. Um, people are just feeling more free and experimental. Um, and I want to see what that's all about. So yeah, I really like, I want to do a, clown shows like I love that like goofy absurd stuff um I just want to do more of it and I want to do it like all over the world with um really really beautiful people so that is the goal um and hopefully I can support myself that way but (laughs) it's possible that I can and that's okay and I'll figure it out um but yeah I, 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 
I think I was really super hyper-focused, super hyper-focused, wow, um, on, like, like, I'm going to freelance, and I'm going to, I'm going to be successful at it, and, um, I think for the time that I did it, I'm very proud of myself, um, and then having this large break in the middle of, like, feeling like there's, like, some upward momentum, and then having that totally kind of disappear from under me um, has given me a lot of time to think about what that means. And, and frankly, I'm trying hard, definitely difficult to like embrace that sense of ambiguity and, and right with all the work that we need to do in the industry, feeling like that is the direction to follow is like listening and, um, and being open to the change and kind of like not expecting anything from the future because at this point, who knows? Um, some days are better than others on that front, but um, but yeah, I mean, all I could say is really that I miss it a lot um, and I can't wait to do it again. Um, yeah. Yeah. But hopefully in a, in a better way. <laughs> yes yes most definitely um it occurs to me uh that I should also ask you to explain exactly what <laughs> the audio world jobs that you do are and like if you were trying to explain it to a student uh what would you tell them what what is it that you do <laughs> yeah no do you want me to do like stage management and sound design or like both theater artists in general um we can do both sure yeah just in yeah I think that would be nice okay. so as a stage manager um often I'm the like communication point person for an entire production where I'm organizing schedules and rehearsals and um notes for production meetings and making sure everyone receives the information that they need in order to further the process and meet our end goal of a lovely, awesome, super fun production. Um, while also um, being present in rehearsal to be a witness to creation, to help facilitate creative space, to deal with any interpersonal conflicts, to um, facilitate a good stage management team that is um, able to support and advocate for folks working on a production at large. Um, it's a lot of work, <laughs> um, but it's really fun. And then um, as a sound designer, um, I find myself creating the world of the play with sound much like a costume designer will create the world of a play with costumes and or light my designer will create with light sometimes that is doorbells um and that's what the play calls for sometimes it's intense underscoring sometimes it's composition sometimes it's songs but really it's like about creating um rounding out an artistic vision um that helps the audience have a full grasp on what the world of the play is um and sometimes it's manipulating energy 
with sound or using silence, um, doing voiceovers, lots of facets of that using microphones and programming those into soundboards. Um, yeah, but it's also super fun. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever find yourself, um, because I know you sound design, but you also sometimes just like run a show or mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you'll do like installs or anything like that or yeah, work with IATSE calls maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Often I actually never got on the IATSE list. And part of that was because like a lot of like gender things where I was like, I don't, I'm kind of scared to be in that space. <laughs> um, but like, I don't think it's. It would have been a problem, but it was, you know, that I, w I was just, like, unsure of what that was going to look like. But, um, yeah, doing, like, sound load-ins um, and, like, forming relationships with people, sound folks um, at specific theaters. Um, I get to a lot of sound load-ins at La Teda. Um, like, Nick and I would just work together, um, and that was really great. We would set up bands. We would run cable, a lot of running cable. Um, and like just prepping for um tech um yeah and then also doing a lot of board opting which actually i learned a lot because i was able to you know like watch a show a gazillion times um sometimes i work with a designer i've also assisted on some sound design and that's an interesting experience as well and honestly if i were to be super honest i prefer assisting to being a lead sound designer because number one pressure's off like a little bit um but it's also like I really enjoy that kind of sense of collaboration um especially working with someone who like trusts your opinion um and yeah I think it's a really special relationship um because it's kind of like a one-on-one -on -one thing and I've had to like take over designs from designers before and like having them trust me to fulfill that vision um is really cool yeah so yeah I know for me and maybe this is just my experience I I actually feel like I have a hard time finding sound people when I'm in a bind because it feels like either the pool is small or everybody has a house gig or there's just not enough of them so we can't get somebody <laughs> I don't know if that's your experience at all yeah it is I think I think people, I don't know, I, I feel like I've gone to the same places consistently. You know, like Latida would always call call if they had a load in or um, like I would work with the same, I would assist the same sound designers over and over again. Um, yeah, I think also, you're right, the pool is a little bit smaller. Um, I don't know why. For whatever reason, I don't I don't know either. I always wondered um, if it was like there was more work in rock and roll or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I honestly have no idea um, why that is. Yeah. Maybe it's like lighting is more glamorous. I don't know. People like, <laughs> Pretty colors. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> I know if there's if there's one area of technical processes in theater that I feel semi comfortable 
talking about things with its its sound and that's only because i've had to build so many qlab files for shows where i was like no that's not functioning the way i need it to can we talk about this and so i learned a lot it was fun i love it's true that sorts of thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it was it is nice it also like is like a little bit analytical on like kind of like plays to the stage manager brain a little bit where you have to like really organize everything and like make sure it's like flowing exactly how you need it to yeah Oh, no, I totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's uh, I think that's us for the night. Uh, thank you so much for sitting down with me. It was really fun to hear just like your perspective and where you've been and where you're going and more about uh, the work that you do. So I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Thanks. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Thank yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we miss you, and we can't wait till you come back. <laughs> oh my god honestly i was like i would love to work in both places we'll just call you every time we need a sound person and you can figure out you know logistics of targeting (laughs) right up Thank you for joining us for this episode of We Shadows. If you enjoyed it, please recommend it to your friends, colleagues, and students. If you loved it, like us on Facebook and please hit the follow or subscribe button on your chosen podcast platform. We Shadows was created by Liesa Behrens, Rachel Lanto, and Anita Kelling. It was recorded over Zencaster and produced by Anita Kelling. Our theme music was composed and performed by J. William Kelsch. Special thanks goes out to the wonderful folks at Technicians for Change. We Shadows can be found wherever you search for your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to our first season, and after a short hiatus, we will return with more episodes starting on April 7th.